Live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, Parent Nation, how are ya? <laughs> hey, Kelly, how's it going? You. Okay. Are you snowed in? No, no, I'm like totally pissed off. I want to oh. be. I want to be a. I, I want to be a weather weather woman when I grow up. Well, you should be. Because I could be totally wrong all the time, and it would be fine. I could keep my job. <laughs> I think there's a disclaimer at the bottom of the bottom of the screen. We may not always be right. We just stand here yeah, and look they pretty. Need to do that. Yeah, we were yeah, just. Well, you know what? They need to tell my kids that because my kids are like totally pissed right now because they're at we were, school. Yeah, we were just hired to stand here and look pretty. Uh, well, yeah. I guess I could do that. Can I just do it on the radio? I just want to be a radio weather forecaster. Oh, yeah, that works too. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to do it on TV. I'd have to diet too much, and I'm not into that. Well, then stick to radio. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to stick to, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick to radio. I've got a body for radio. <laughs> yeah. So which, what forecast would oh you give God. for today? What's that? What forecast would you give for today? Well, we were supposed to get, like, two feet of snow or, like, you know, whatever. And um, and then we wound up getting, like, maybe an inch yesterday, and that was it. Like, we, the, they said, we're going to get, like, an inch of snow for Monday morning, and then on Tuesday all hell's going to break loose, and it's going to be fire and brimstone, and, you know, like, you're going to be snowed in for days and don't even try to go anywhere. And I have mm-hmm. a trip planned. Um, I'm leaving tomorrow right? Um, to go on a girl's trip, and uh, and I was I was sweating. I was really sweating because they canceled thousands of flights, and then we got zero, nothing, nothing, not oh, late. Wow. Well, it's funny because you were worried about it in the beginning, and now that you don't have it, you're pissed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to dissect this a little bit. Uh, That's so funny. frustrating. So, but I'm glad that I get to go on my trip, though. Oh yeah, that'd be a blast. Oh, I can you imagine? I can't mm. imagine being one of those people that was like their trip was canceled and then nothing happened. I know. Man. Right. Man. Crazy. Yeah. So. Absolutely insane in the membrane. But anywho, so you you've been like watching the news, right? Right. Oh my gosh. I'm so <laughs> glad that some of the things happen when they do because um 
Well, one of our guests today is um, is going to be talking about good, like helping our kids make good food choices. Right. And um, there's that whole thing about the substitute teacher that sent the note home. Mm, I didn't girl. see that. You have to tell me. Oh crap! Okay, so this little girl, um, her parents. Okay, let's just preface this by saying that her dad is a physician. Okay. okay. Dad's a physician. And right, so the little girl is responsible for packing her lunch every day. How old? She wants to have her lunch packed. She doesn't want to buy it at the school. She wants to pack. So she's responsible for that. Now her parents check her lunch, but you know she's. It's her gig. It's what you've got to eat. You pick things that you want to eat, right? Mm-hmm. So the little girl comes home from school with a big nasty note, um, and it's from the teacher, and it says um, something about please consider your food choices and make better choices when packing your daughter's lunch next time or something mm-hmm. like that. It was like like it was like this scathing, crazy, mean, unnecessarily goofy note, right? Right. So the dad, and it said, um, it said, please, please sign for your, please sign to show that you've accepted the, this request or whatever. Mm-hmm. And criticism. the father wrote back, request denied. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I but love here's it. the thing, Kelly, you have to know what the little girl had in her bag. Like she had, um, she had three pieces of ham, okay. a cheese stick, a pickle, okay. some marshmallows, four pieces of chocolate, and I think that was it. What's but, wrong with that? I mean, here's the... Exactly. Exactly. We have entire diet programs focused around chocolate. <laughs> right. So now you're going to tell this little girl that the chocolate bars in her lunch were unhealthy and... You know, forget the fact that she bothered to even put ham and a cheese stick and a pickle in there. <laughs> she deserves a little pick-me-up at lunchtime. Yeah, what the heck? If those marshmallows get her through the rest of the day, who are we to judge? Right. <laughs> I don't understand. It's insane. I don't know why, uh, especially a substitute that's not there all the time. And what is she doing in her lunchbox anyway? And why does she exactly. think she has the right to do that? I agree. I agree. It's It, it was ridiculous. So, I, you know, I'm really excited to hear um, what what uh, Carolina, Carolina is going to tell us about, uh-huh. yeah, about um, what, what really are good food choices and, like, where did this little girl go wrong and how could they have handled that situation differently? Because... I completely believe that there was a right way to handle that situation. Right. And that that wasn't it. You, here's the thing. I don't know if your kids buy lunch at school or not. Not a my lot. And my my never, daughter's a freshman, and she still likes to bring her lunch. But she will buy every really? once in a while. Yeah. See, my it's, kids don't want to have to pack their own lunch. <laughs> and, uh, and so they buy. Uh-huh. And they're not picky. My kids are not picky eaters at all. Like, they'll eat a salad every day. If mm-hmm. they, they don't care. And um, But it's so funny because I, I'm that parent who, like, always volunteered for lunch duty. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, they when they consider 
um, fruit flavored Italian ice as a fruit. <laughs> you can't be telling me that you're going to be sending notes home for anybody. Right. When your child's you know, lunch we, is much better than the lunch they're serving at school. Oh, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. With the, all of the, the sodium and the sugar and the processed everything that they give mm-hmm. to our kids, it's no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, the, I think that if a, if a child is coming to school with a packed lunch and it's solid food and it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, just leave it alone. Uh, when, but here's the bigger thing, Kelly. How many times did you read last year and the year before about kids who were completely denied lunch altogether because their accounts were too low? Right. And they had money in their, in their account. Okay. Um, that gets me. Really? Right. When the lunch ladies <laughs> think they have so much power. It's the power of the lunch lady. <laughs> They're like the bouncers. They're like the bouncers of the school. Right. They don't piss off the lunch lady or the janitor because they don't, they don't owe you nothing. Right. Usually the janitor is pretty cool, though. But they're scary. They are. They, yeah, they can be. <laughs> yeah. I, I was always afraid of our janitors. Because <laughs> you never knew what was going on in that closet. You know? <laughs> that one little closet. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So, okay. It, Here's another thing that was really pissing me off this week about how we judge kids today. I, we're, we're ridiculous. We, we have truly become a nation of ridiculousness when it comes to kids. We fight over things that have zero importance at all whatsoever, and then the things that really are important, we want to, like, turn the other cheek. No, we don't want to see it. We want to blind ourselves to it because it bothers us too much. <sighs> or it's too hard of a conversation. Like, we right. don't want to have a conversation around, around like, corporal punishment because that's too, that's too deep of a conversation. But mm-hmm. we want to have a conversation about the four-year-old who was told um, that, okay, this four-year-old boy was chasing the little girls around the playground that he goes to school with. Uh-huh. And, and the little girls that he was chasing didn't like it. So he told his mom, they told me to stop, so I stopped. Okay. That's yeah. to be the end of the story, you would think, right? You're right. No, 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 no. All no, no, no. well. Uncle Obnoxious Blogger, Uncle Obnoxious Blogger had to write an entire blog about stopping, ending rape culture at four. That was mm. the hashtag. That was the hashtag that he created for his nephew because he couldn't think of anything better to come up with than end rape culture at four. Mm. Kelly, I'm sorry, but when boys chased me on the playground when I was a little girl, I either loved it and acted like I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or I said, I don't want to play tag. Yeah. I want to play something else, so I'm going to find someone else to play with. I'm going to go play a couple rounds of hopscotch. Exactly. I'm going to go play tetherball over here, which you can't do anymore either. Mm, love tetherball. I have to tell you. Find me a tetherball pole. 
I have to tell you, when I was in fourth grade, I was one of those girls being chased around, and it was wet, and I slipped and broke my arm. But, you know, I survived. Nothing happened. Yeah, you know, but here's the thing. Were you actively participating in the game at the time? Yeah. See, that's the difference. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was when I was a young girl, we were all playing capture the flag. Remember that when you actually oh, yeah. played in the dark outside? Sure. We were all playing capture the flag, and I was running through somebody's yard and didn't realize that the yard right next to it was like a four foot drop down mm. from where I was. It was like running off the end of the earth. That's what yeah. I did. Like I ran <laughs> off the end of the earth and landed on my face, and and i got a bloody lip and it was a boy that i like totally was crushing on it was at his house you know so it was the most embarrassing thing on the planet but i was participating in it right do you know why do we have to assume that because a little boy is chasing a little girl on the playground that he's going to grow up to be a rapist and now we have to stop that uh, that's so you know what uh, we have to stop doing we have to stop we have to stop injecting ridiculous ideas into simple things. That's what we have to stop doing. Yes. Yeah. Because at four years old, little boys and little girls aren't thinking about sex. No. They're not. Keep They're the not. childhood dreams alive. And just. Exactly. Uh, Keep the innocence alive. That's yeah, going to exactly. be my mission. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. Uh, I don't even know why we do things like that. And uh, I'm not even going to go down the road. I was just going to go down. I stopped myself. I put the kibosh to it. Okay. <laughs> but I really think that we need to stop injecting adult ideas into childhood innocence. Yeah. You know? Kids don't, kids don't see things that we see. So stop doing that to them. Ugh. I, I have to admit something. <laughs> Let's else. move on. I, do you, okay, do we'll you want to get on. it I out or do I you want to hold it in? No, I'm going to hold it in. I'm going to hold it in and I'm going to let it out in a really opportune, inopportune moment in a really negative way. <laughs> oh. Well, how about after the show you just go out on your porch and just yell it out? I'll do that. I'll do okay. that. Okay. I'll do that. Or maybe during or a break or something. It. Yeah, I'll just lose it on somebody uh, that, that has nothing to do with it, and then that'll make me feel good, too. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So, did you see the thing about the mom blogger who blogged about her um, commitment to no longer wearing leggings or yoga pants because of men's lustful thoughts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you did. Yes. Okay, so so I, I must ask. I must ask you a question. <laughs> ask me a question. Why is it so ridiculous to us that this woman is talking about no longer wearing something that's modest, that, that, you know, puts modesty out there. Why is that so offensive? But if women want to talk about um, Scout Willis walking around topless in Manhattan, 
that's okay because that's just expressing her right to make a choice for herself. Because it's boobs against yoga pants. I don't want to see. I don't want to see scalp boobs, and I don't want to see anybody else's camel toe. Like I don't understand why we can't just dress like normal people and leave each other alone. Um, what do you think the yoga pants symbol means? Uh, well, uh, yoga pants are for yoga, and they're <sighs> very, very revealing. Like, here's the deal, Kelly. If you walk into Walmart and I could give you a full gynecological workup without you taking <laughs> your clothes off, right. your pants are probably too tight. Right. <laughs> or you shouldn't and be I, wearing them. Or you shouldn't be wearing them. And so that's, I guess that's what she's saying is that, you know, if if someone can look at me and see those parts of me, then I'm going to not dress that way out of respect for myself and my husband. And people are just, like, completely slamming her. Like, it's, ugh, it's, it's just so, you know what we need to do? We need to stop, um, we need to, to stop slamming each other. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I don't get it. I think we need to set a better example for our kids. I really do. I think if there's, if there's a, an acceptable policy of no shirt, no shoes, no service, Right. Um, I I think that you should be allowed to say um, no no pajama pants and no slippers. <laughs> then, <laughs> then, then Walmart be would close to do down. It's it yeah. That nah, wouldn't be so bad either in some places, but yeah, I get ya. Whatever. Well, I guess we're gonna have to save that argument for another day because we're not gonna solve that problem today. Oh, <laughs> um, but. We do have some awesome guests today. Yeah. Carolina Jantek is going to come back from Kids Critic Approved, and uh, she's going to talk to us about how to get our kids to eat better. I'm excited about that. And Mary Beth Hicks is going to talk to us um, about just being better people and finding teachable moments in our parenting. So I'm excited about both of them. Yep. It's going to be a good uh, show. It's going to be a great show. So I'm excited about it. I want to know how to get... um, how to get kids to stop eating like McNuggets and eat more salad. I want to mm. know how to do that. That could I be think tricky. That's kind of, I don't know. I, I Hey, according to Carolina, it's pretty easy, so we'll find out when we come back. All righty. <laughs> cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with the work of these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. 
Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, empowering women to build a successful business, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the ripe age of five, she was already interpreting information in documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she provides you with valuable steps to empower you to reach financial independence. Martha A. Sanchez is a registered nurse with a Bachelor in Nursing and Master's of Business administration. She's a business coach, speaker, author, and CEO of Moss International, LLC. Her diverse work experience brings you expertise in areas essential to customer service, social media, and budgeting. The Mommy to Mogul radio show furthers her personal mission of empowering women to help them build successful businesses so they can reach financial independence. Join Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited because we have um, a, an awesome guest with us this morning who is going to be talking to us about um, the power of food and the choices that we make. And, you know, with all of the craziness that's going on with teachers scolding parents for not packing properly and, you know, kids, you know, the obesity epidemic and everything else that's going on, I think our our diet and our our food choices are more important than ever, especially when there are so many bad options out there. So um, my first guest is Carolina Dantek, and she is a critic-approved spokesperson for Kid Critics. So um, it's a as a registered dietitian, she helps us make good food choices and um, realizes that it's one of the most important things that we do day-to-day with our kids. So, hey, Carolina, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what did you think about the the whole substitute teacher sending the note home with the kiddo? Um, <laughs> did, you, did you read about that? I hadn't read about it, but I, I heard you talking about it earlier in the segment, and um, it's kind of a mixed emotion for me. I want to commend the little girl for putting her lunch together herself. I think that's amazing and good for her for taking, uh, you know, taking the steps to doing it, taking the initiative for doing it. Um, I also have to say, yeah, she made some really great choices, but maybe all the chocolate and the marshmallows in the lunchbox wasn't the best choice. And I can see where the teacher thought that, you know, there could have been something better there. But do I think the teacher was out of place sending that note? Um, maybe. Maybe she should have talked to the little girl first and kind of get in the, so like, who packed your lunch? And why did you make these choices? And what do you think could have been a better choice? And kind of going that route versus sending um, an interesting, you know, obnoxious note home that got everybody out of their element a little bit. <laughs> But I agree. It was almost like the the teacher was trying to be like the lunchroom Rambo, you know, like because she's not there. 
consistently. She doesn't see this little girl bringing food in, making bad choices day after day after day. So it's yeah. kind of funny because, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm the typical everyday parent. I've defaulted to a Lunchable once in a while, you know, mm-hmm. when, yeah. <laughs> when, I had, when I had no other choice to make. You know, I had to grab something last minute because... You know, the kids are going on a walking field trip, and I wasn't aware that they had to pack their own lunch. So, you know, you grab the most convenient thing there is. And unfortunately, convenient today does not mean healthy at all. You're right so about that. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. I've, I've had so many, so many parents that I've dealt with that were in financial crisis that would yeah. say things to me like, it's too expensive to eat healthy. And I thought, I can prove you wrong 15 times just walking three, with, within three blocks of my house. Like, I could go to an, a convenience store, and there's going to be a basket of fruit there. There's going to be bottles of water there. There's going to be, you know, peanut butter to go, even in a convenience store. And those things aren't going to be that much more expensive. But is that kind of what you speak to, or, I mean, are you no, talking you, about getting our kids to eat healthy? Yeah, you're absolutely right. One of the biggest barriers that we listen nowadays is price and cost, but you're so right that it is, it is not more expensive. And really, there's something to be said about the bill you're paying today for your grocery and then the bill you're paying more tomorrow for your health. So, sure, you might be paying a few dollars cheaper to get fast food, but tomorrow when you have that chronic disease or obesity or diabetes or heart disease, those health care bills are a lot larger than grocery bills. So you kind of have to put things in the balance as well. Um, what I speak to, though, in general is, you know, going back to that little girl, is we're trying to motivate little girls like that that are motivated on their own to make their own lunches, on giving them enough knowledge and giving them enough information so they can make the right choices of what to put in that lunch box. So maybe when she put in those chocolate bars and that marshmallows, because she really thought, well, I got my meat, I have my cheese, I need a treat, I need a sweet, something to go with it, and that's what she thought of. But what we do is mm. we've proven day in and day out through our taste steps that we do with kids in after-school programs that kids will eat healthy foods if they are available and are offered to them and if they're involved in the process. So, for example, maybe if she did have a bowl of washed blueberries ready to go that's easy for her to grab and take, it would have been. And I'm not criticizing those parents. We all know maybe that day they didn't have it. The next day they did have it. It was a snapshot, you know, of one day of one spot. So I'm just using mm-hmm. it as an example. But the whole idea here is us as parents making those foods available to our children, easy for them to experiment with, and willing to make little changes here and there on those healthy foods to accommodate to their palate needs and their palate wants. Um, I often give an example of our cheesy broccoli bite. So this is a really delicious recipe and so easy to make where um, we have broccoli florets and you just use a, like an a egg, egg wash, for example, to um, bread them into a crunched up cheesy cracker 
of flour mix that you can make yourself, and you bread them in this cheesy cracker, put them in the oven, bake them for a little bit, and you can even serve them with, like, a ranch dip kind of thing. And so they're cheesy broccoli bites is what we call them. And when we tasted these with our kids, our after-school kids, um, there were several kids that said, no way, I don't eat broccoli, I don't like broccoli, and I never eat anything green. So we presented them with these and told them what it was, But we also made the connection of what broccoli does to their body. So we explained to them broccoli is filled with vitamin C, and broccoli will help you with strong bones, and it's good for your eyesight. And we also help them connect with the fact, does anybody here play baseball? Well, you really want to have strong muscles, so this is really going to help you with that. And all of a sudden, kids are more apt to try. And I had several kids that said they would never eat broccoli. They just gobbled these up and absolutely loved them because we put a little bit of cheese on them. So, you know, we that's, mm. that's what we try to do is provide those ideas to parents and letting the kids be involved in the process and showing and proving to them day in and day out. The kids will eat healthy food as long as it's available to them and that we explain to them and help them make those, those decisions on their own. That's so funny because just this weekend I made um, cauliflower buffalo buffalo cauliflower like you know buffalo hot wings yeah buffalo hot wings are so bad for you like they're so filled with fat and salt and like so much bad stuff right so i took um a head of cauliflower and did the same thing i batter dipped it and then i baked it and then i mixed it with buffalo um sauce buffalo hot wing sauce my kids can't stand cauliflower they will not eat it but they loved it yeah, that's that's. They were like, "Oh my gosh, give me more of that." <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Kids love spicy things. We tend to think that they don't, but we've seen too in our taste test that kids love spicy things. And cauliflower is a perfect example because it's kind of like a sponge, so it'll absorb so much of whatever flavor you put around it that the spicy sauce was perfect. So, and I love that you baked it. That was uh, perfect. So you kind of eliminated the deep frying process that chicken wings come. And you provided them with a vegetable. So I always say, you know, we cannot get enough vegetables. So anytime you can put some extra vegetables on the plate, even include vegetables at breakfast, which is probably the hardest one to do, then go for it. Because it's really hard to get enough vegetables in a day to meet not only our fiber Mm -hmm. needs, but our vitamins and mineral needs. So, wow, great recipe. You're going to have to share that one with me. I'd love to to try it out there. (laughs) It's on Parent Nation. You have to check it out. (laughs) All right, I will. <laughs> Sounds good. So so I'm thinking, based on what we just discussed here, that you do not have a problem with tricking kids into eating their vegetables, or do you? Well, I don't like the word tricking, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. Um, I think that, like, you can, you can, again, using that word tricking, but you can trick a four-year-old, but really five, six, the kids are so smart nowadays. You really can't anymore. And I'd really rather um, give them all the information and transform them into my own little nutrition ambassadors that go out there and spread the good news that healthy food is good, not just good for you, but it tastes good. So I don't like tricking them. I like inviting them to helping me make the vegetable in a way that they may like. So, for example, the cheesy broccoli was as an, it was an example. But even with my own kids, my son is not a huge fan of steamed spinach. If I just make steamed spinach, he doesn't want it. And I have to respect that, you know, there's foods I don't like. 
So I said, well, spinach is really good for you, and I really want it to be a part of your diet. So how can we make this spinach in a way that you will eat it? So I gave them several options, and one of them was chopping it up really small and mixing it into our turkey meatballs for our spaghetti night. And he was willing to try that. He knew it was in there, but he's like, Mom, I can't taste them in here, so I'll eat them. That's fine with me. And so it wasn't really tricking. I invited him into the process, but he wasn't tasting it. It, it wasn't a strong flavor, so he was okay with it. And I think that's a, a better a better way to look at it instead of hiding everything and then one day telling them, oh, you know that meatball you've been eating all these years? It has, you know, spinach, broccoli, and carrots in it. <laughs> so I just find way. something deviously pleasurable about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know. When my kids are like, I don't eat spinach. And I'm like, yeah, you do. I know. <laughs> didn't know it. <laughs> so do you think that we are um, basically wiring our children to not appreciate fruits and vegetables because they're not salty enough, they're not sweet enough, because of all of the stuff that we give them? I mean, they they make gummies for babies now. I know. Oh, my God. It's so creepy. And you're so right. You hit exactly on the note. I'm so passionate about this. I give this example all the time. And you're dead on the spot. What it is is we have messed up with our kids' um, scale of sweetness and salty. So as soon as you introduce a child to candy, for example, that becomes their comparable for everything that's sweet. Mm-hmm. So when they bite into a apple, to them it's like, eh, it's all right, but it's not sweet as a starburst candy, for example. So on the sweet scale, it gets maybe a five, okay? But, and then the same on the other side of the spectrum, once you introduce your kids to, for example, a lot of, of um, canned food or a lot of pre-prepared food or restaurant food that's loaded with sodium, loaded with salt and other, um, other ingredients, then that becomes their scale, or chips, for example, that becomes their scale for salty. So when they bite into green beans, for example, they're like, eh, this is kind of bland, they get like a soup. But if you were to remove those extremes out and stop giving them all the sugar-loaded foods and all the salted-loaded foods, all of a sudden their scales would widen up a little bit, and they would bite into an apple or even a tomato like my daughter does, and she'll eat a tomato and say, wow, this is so sweet, this is dessert. So... You're right. We've messed up their scale, and we kind of have to get back to leveling them out by removing the extremes. And when I say removing it, it's long-term removing it. It's not just for two days and noticing a difference. Removing it for weeks and then noticing that palate kind of balance out again. So when I remember, I was way older. Like I was the, I was 11, 12, 17 years older than my siblings, right? And I mm-hmm. remember that we would give them, like, we would crush up M&Ms and give them to them when they were little babies. So what is an age that we can start introducing things like candy to kids? And because parents are like, oh, you're so over the top. You have to be able to give kids candy. That's what it's all about. When is a good age to start introducing that stuff so that they're already used to other things? Well, to parents that say that, I'm sorry for them because that's not what it's all about. What it's all about is providing your children with the best nutrients out, out there, the best fresh mm-hmm. foods out there, so that they'll grow up healthy and uh, not have to fear any chronic disease. But I agree. I'm a mom, too. My kid goes to school. 
she's always faced with candy, and there's parties, and there's celebrations. Valentine's coming up. I know there's going to be a school of candy available. So this is what I said. I, I, my children did not taste anything until they were school age, because that's when they were first exposed outside the home. And at that point, they had enough under their belts with experiencing fresh fruits and vegetables that they had a good idea of what was healthy and what wasn't. We had conversations about it. Now, um, when is a good age to introduce it? I, I say, you know, go for, for naturally sweet things. So you can more, you can do cakes, you can do cookies, all of those things, but try to do the naturally sweet, the ones that were made with honey, the ones that were made with real sugar. And avoid that stuff that has um, been, you know, that, that's been uh, manufactured too much or added too many artificial sweeteners, artificial ingredients, artificial dyes, things like that. And let them savor onto the more naturally sweet and um, even help you prepare. I mean, kids love getting their hands dirty in the kitchen. So if you have a really great cookie recipe that you can make together and enjoy it together, then that's going to be a much fun experience all around. And they'll still get to experience the thrill of having a cookie. But you know what's in it for one that you may have purchased and not understand half of the ingredients on the label. I love that. I think that's so fun. And, you know, that has become one of the best traditions in our house is that when we make something, we make it from scratch and we make it in our kitchen. Even if I, I mean, my family calls me the cardboard chef because, uh, you know, I buy a lot of <laughs> frozen fruits and vegetables <laughs> and, and ingredients. But here's the thing. If our kids, my kids do eat their vegetables and they do eat fresh fruit because we make it part of their culture. So thank you so much, Carolina, for sharing that Thanks. information with us. And I definitely recommend that everybody go to the Facebook, our Parent Nation Facebook page where they can get more information about connecting with you and finding about kid critics and all of the great things that you're doing with the community and getting our kids to eat healthy. So thank you so much for joining us, Carolina. Thank you back, so much for having me. Mary Beth. Sure thing. <laughs> Take care. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy-Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. celebrating New Year's Eve started in Babylon 4,000 years ago. The most common New Year's resolution in those days was to return borrowed farm equipment. Most Americans do make at least one resolution, usually related to health and fitness. But making a New Year's resolution stick is difficult if you're a mumpsimus. 
That's a person who obstinately clings to a bad habit. For many of us, New Year's resolutions seem to go in one year and out the other. Most New Year's resolutions fail by January 20th due to kinetophobia. That's the dislike of change. Call me a crusty gripes, but my New Year's resolution is to stop hanging out with people who ask me about my New Year's resolutions. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. That was so fun. I love talking about um, things that people say, oh, I could never get my kids to. And then people like Carolina come on and go, yeah, it's really not that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Have you tried? Have you tried? You know, here's the thing, Kelly. As part of the um, special needs community, I get it when parents say, oh, well, my child has, you know, issues with with." you know, textures and that sort of thing. And there are kids that legitimately, like, eating food feels like certain textures feel like they're getting stabbed in the mouth. That's that's how serious it is for some kids, and I totally get that. Mm -hmm. However, if the problem is that your child is just picky, you need to nip that in the bud. You need to fix it. And it's... It, it, we've got to. It's just becoming, it's, it's to the point now where kids are far too in control of parenting choices. And that's, you know, we're, we can talk about that more on the Facebook page, but oh my gosh, that is just one of my pet peeves. So I'm really excited to have Mary Beth Hicks on because she is, she was, she's a columnist for Catholic Digest magazine. She was a columnist for the Washington Times. She has three books out on parenting and culture and she has a blog and she just is she talks about all kinds of things related to parenting and and what's going on today so i'm really excited to have her on hey mary beth hi how are you hello there it's great to be with you (laughs) so did you yeah i can totally hear you totally hear you so did you did you hear what we were talking about with Carolina as far as like the food and and picky kids and that sort of thing? Yeah, I got the gist of it. Yeah, and it's funny because you know you're right. Like there's this, you know, you have to respect that some children just do, you know, have preferences, and every every human being has preferences, and that's you know something that we need to understand in children. But um, I could not agree with you more that when you put all of the power in the hands of children then you're not doing the job of parenting. And I think one of the things that we do is we're, we're so, we, we got so caught up in this idea of giving ch- children choices. You know, do you want this or do you want that? Do you want this? <laughs> and, and kids need your leadership. That's what they really want. They want your leadership. And so, um, you know, and even things like picky eating, you know, sometimes it's just how competent you are at framing things. You know, you're going to love this. It's going to be great. Instead of saying, now, listen, I want you to try this, and if you don't like it, don't spit it out. <laughs> That's exactly. It's going to be effective, right? But, also, <laughs> you know, ultimately, it all comes down to, to just being assertive and being 
confident in your parenting. And I think in our culture, we've lost skill in parenting. And that's really why I write these books. I, it, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I do believe that that's, we've become so focused on having a parenting style that we've lost the, the idea of having a parenting mindset. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Well put. You should write a book about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, no. <laughs> there you go. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be out soon, I promise. I, I think that we, I went through it with my, with both of my kids when they were at their first birthday, and I was that mom who said, I don't want my kids to have candy. I don't want them to have super sweet stuff. I don't want them to have processed food. I don't want anything fluorescent colored to go into their body. (laughs) And then at their first birthday, everyone around me was determined to shove bright red icing down my kids' throats at their birthday party. (laughs) And then I was cleaning up puke for the next two days. And it's the same thing with my dogs, you know? It's like... We don't give them table food because it makes them sick. And then I'm the one who's cleaning up vomit for the next few days. Why do we insist on telling other parents who are trying to do the right thing that doing the wrong thing is okay? Yeah, I, again, I think it's just a lack of skill. And so then parents want to feel better about what they're doing. And so, you know, they were not doing. Um, I guess probably my best example, because, you know, Kara, I write a lot about media and culture and so one, one of my favorite examples is um, I was at a basketball game one time with my kids were younger and was standing, you know, sitting in the stands talking to the other parents. And this dad, we, we got talking about um, about kids using computer at home. And, and I was talking about the things that we didn't allow. And honestly, this was so long ago that the thing we were talking about was instant messaging back when that was like the thing, you know, to go home and instant message your kids after your friends after school. So this is how long ago this was. But I just remember this dad said, yeah, I wish we had rules about the computer like you do. You know, my kids are on the computer all the time. I wish we had rules like yours. And I was like, dude, you're the dad. Like, you could make some rules. I mean, that's, like, that, that could be your thing, you know. And um, that was, but it was almost astonishing to me because that was the mindset that he, you know, that he was a, it, you know, and I, I suppose what he meant was, you know, like that, you know, the horse is already out of the barn on that one or whatever the expression is, you know, like right. it's too late to kind of rein it back in. But even then, it's never too late. You're the parent. You can sit down and say, you know, we let this one get away from us. And now, you know, our media use is kind of dictating all of our life. And so we're going to change. We're going to do things differently at our house. And that was kind of, and that was really the banner, I think, that we, uh, my husband and I have raised our children under is we do things differently here. And I'm not afraid to be different from the other parents or to make rules that look different to other families. And, you know, kids are very accommodating and they're resilient. They get used to it. And their friends go, oh, yeah, you know, the Hickses don't do X, Y, or Z. You know, they don't have these movies or they don't play those video games or whatever it is we, we chose not to do. And, you know, over time, it just becomes part of your family personality and, and people respect it and, and don't mind it. But like you said, unless they're in your face trying to change your, your own your rules and Food, I think, is one of those areas where people tend to, to think, you know, you're being too fussy or whatever. And, you know, yes, you're, you're entitled to do what you want to do just to raise your children the right way. Exactly. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You talk a lot about teachable moments. So what, what, is, what is a teachable moment for you? Sure. Um, actually, yeah, it's the name of the most recent book. came out last summer, and um, it's, a, it's a long subtitle, but it helps to explain what teachable moments are. So the sub 
title of that book is Using Everyday Encounters with Media and Culture to Instill Conscious Character and Faith. That's a lot of words, but the point is that, you know, we're, we're kind of all around media all the time and, and just encounters with the culture and even the ways that the culture has changed or has kind of gotten coarser and more vulgar and, you know, you're confronted with it all the time. And one of the things you could do is let, let it kind of hijack your kids, and I think many people do that. But what we chose to do was to use those times when you're confronted with it and you kind of can't get around it to, to teach lessons that we wanted to teach so that we never let the culture have the last word about the values that we wanted our children to have. And so, you know, if it meant, you know, you're watching you know, TV together as a family, and maybe even the show that you're watching is perfectly great, it's sports or a movie you've chosen or something, but the commercials even come on and, you know, you're, now you're being confronted with commercials, the content of which you cannot control. And, you know, so, you, you know, if you can't grab that clicker fast enough, you might, you know, now you're watching an ad for, you know, a sexual aid product or a, or a, a te- or an a ad for another TV show that, really? you would not, <laughs> that you wouldn't allow. Yeah, you know, and so, yeah. um, you know, you have to have a conversation and you don't just let that sit there and you say, Oh, it just really disappoints me that the themes of these sitcoms have gotten so, you know, immoral or so inappropriate. And, you know, I really don't like how they treat women on that show. Or I don't like the jokes about sex or I don't like the violence in that video game because I think it's disrespectful. You know, whatever it is, but you got to say it because if you don't, you, you again, I said you, you let the culture have the last word and you don't, you don't ever want that to be what your children, unless you agree with it and you say, yeah, you know, that's terrific. But, um, you know, you really want to be the one who's, putting that imprint on your kid's heart. You know, it's so funny that you say that because one of my favorite shows when it first came out was Mike and Molly because I love their sense of humor and, you know, I love that it just embraced all different lifestyles and and shapes and sizes of people. And, you know, to me it was just a very open, accepting show. And I had it on over the weekend and all they talked about the entire show was sexual innuendo. Every mm-hmm. single thing. If they weren't talking about marijuana, they were talking about mm-hmm. sexual innuendo. And I finally looked at my 16-year-old and I said, I'm so uncomfortable with this show right now. And he's like, Mom, I have wanted you to turn it off for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what happens. And so they, you know, and they kind of, they do that. They worm, they worm their way into your heart with you know, good episodes or something and, and or a good concept. And then, you know, invariably so much of the stuff that we find in the media is just, it just becomes trashy. And then, and it is, it's embarrassing for everyone in the family and it is uncomfortable. And I think it's okay to say, yeah, this is like just exactly what you did. This is making me uncomfortable. And your son is, yeah, me too. And everybody can agree that this is just not where you want to be. And, but I think too, <laughs> you know, a lot of times families just don't do that. And then, and by not saying that, you're sending a really strong message as well that this is okay with you and that you think this is appropriate. Yeah. And I love that my kid didn't like it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so he's getting it too. I was like, yeah. And then that's how you know that they're getting ready to, you know, they've learned to be discerning and they're getting ready to make a lot of those choices for themselves about what they switch off. You know, uh, it's been years since I've had to really tell someone, you know, what would be, a, well, my kids are, getting, are older now anyway, but, you know, even when they were in high school and, and the older ones, and I, you know, I didn't really have to tell them what not to watch on TV. They, they knew, you know, they'd grown up in our house and we had talked about things all through the years about why we liked certain things and why we didn't. And so, you know, television became much easier to manage. Of course, that's as well, you know, we banned MTV from our house 
just forever, forever for good from the get-go, and we never had it. And, you know, I think so many kids grow up with that sort of vulgarity and that sort of um, everyday softcore pornography, and they don't, you know, in those music videos, and they and they it never dawns on them that there's anything wrong with it. And because parents don't take the time to watch it and see what's out there, they just think, oh, it's, you know, it's MTV, it's music videos, like like we had when we, you know, were growing up. And it's nothing like that. Yeah. You have to take the time to know what's out there. It's insane. They had MTV on in a restaurant that my husband and I were in a couple weeks ago. And I was like, this this is seriously considered a music video? First of all, there's no music being played. It's all words, and it's all vulgar, and it's all, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see those parts of anyone's body on TV. <laughs> You know, unless I'm paying for it and intended it, you know, but it's, yeah, it's amazing to me. And this is what, this is what a lot of parents don't realize their kids are, to your point, are being exposed to. It's, it's insane to me. Yeah. You got to know, and you have to take the time. And it's hard, you know, I mean, there's so much out there to be, but now, you know, you put all the technology in your kid's hands with a smartphone and, you know, if you aren't talking to your child pretty openly about the things that they can confront through the media, you have put complete access to everything in the world into the palm of your kid's hands. And, you know, you wonder why they are not paying attention to you and what's happening in your house. Because, you know, it's like dropping them out in the middle of Times Square and saying, good luck, you know, good luck with that and do your best. And, yeah. you know, and if you're not <laughs> guiding them and, you know, and showing them what's appropriate and what's good for them and, and how to reject what they don't, you know, what they don't need, and then you're really kind of missing that opportunity to, to really – keep them safe, but also just give them give them the value of your instruction. And I think that's what people need to understand. That's the whole job right there. The whole job of parenting is to give your children your values and to give them, I would say, a faith and to give them, you know, a sense of purpose in life, not to give them every gadget and every spring break and every Abercrombie thing, you know. So it's, it's part it's of it so is knowing true. what you're really here for, right? It's, I couldn't agree with you more. It was, it's my son when he was 12 years old. We got him, we got him a cell phone because he, uh, he had been working for it and he had set up a, a set schedule of chores that he could pay for the service that he was using. And, you know, he was doing a lot of extracurricular things that we need to be able to reach him and contact him. But we couldn't get a cell phone for him without a data plan. Mm-hmm. And we, didn't look into it deeply enough to realize that we had complete control over shutting off Safari, which is the server. Mm -hmm. We didn't realize until he had downloaded something completely inappropriate and came to us and said, I can't get this off my phone. And we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, innocence lost. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we realized that we could remove Safari from his phone. But now we are in total connection with everything that our kids do. And mm-hmm. you, I mean, we only have like two minutes left, but you say that we should raise our kids like geeks. I mean, what do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's the first parenting book that I wrote. It came out several years ago called Bringing Up Geeks. And for, for us, that, that stands for Genuine, Enthusiastic, Empowered Kids. But essentially the premise of that book is that I think it's dangerous. And it's actually been, now, now studies have come out after I wrote the book to prove my point, which I'm always excited about. But, but, um, it's better for kids to grow up uncool, essentially. Um, the cooler your kid is, the more high risk they are, the more um, likely they are to have experiences with drugs and alcohol and precocious sex and some things you don't want your kids involved in when they're very young. 
And so we sort of, you know, we didn't really do it on purpose, but we just kind of made choices and made decisions in our home that caused our kids to be kind of geeky. And, you know, like we were fine with it. They were fine with it. You know, I remember one time mm-hmm. telling some other moms, my kids were geeks, and she's like, oh, no, your kids are very cool. And the, do you even know my children? They are really, really nerdy. But, you know, they <laughs> were happy and they were innocent and they didn't have, you know, we said no to a lot of things, but we said yes to a lot of other things that were really cool and really, um, you know, interesting to them. And so I think one of the things is if you parent in a way that just kind of goes along with the crowd and your kids are pack animals and they want to be with all the other kids and they want to do what they think is cool, you know, there's a there's a cost to that. And sometimes the cost can be, you know, very serious and very dangerous even. So, you know, we just sort of, did, again, it's under that banner. We do things differently. You know, we were not afraid to be geeky and we weren't afraid to let our kids kind of grow up and, and be those kids who still played outside and still, you know, mm. had the old gaming system, not the cool new one and, you know, the flip phone in high school. You know, it was fine. Everybody's, and, you know, Kids adjust and they're and they're very awesome. Yeah, that is so cool. I wish everybody would raise their kids to be geeks. That's a brilliant idea, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. We had a great time with you. You can check out more about Mary Beth and Carolina Jansack on the uh, Parent Nation Facebook page. And until next time, everybody, keep playing. Life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling it the most?